Um, because, you know, uh, people want to be encouraging. So I got this from a very close friend. I don't know if you can see that. Because that's what friends are for, you know, when you when you just get open and let them know what's going on. Uh, I'm not going to say who did it. They may or may not be on the call, but uh, appreciate appreciate them trying to give me uh, some encouragement there. Could you guys see that little picture? All right. All right. I don't I don't think he's going to name himself on uh, what he did. I'm still getting some some feedback here on the audio. I'm not sure what it is, but hopefully you guys are hearing me. OK. Um, but I love Brooklyn. I know we're, we're borough neighbors. Our ministries have so many connections and memories together. Uh, but these are challenging times. Could I get an amen in the chat? These are challenging times. Not just uh, the pandemic, uh, not just displacement, lost jobs, financial trials, uh, not just fires and floods and what sometimes feels like the end times. Anyone else thought that? Like maybe this is it? Uh, not just uh, the continued plague of unfair treatment and discrimination in the U.S., not just a contentious election season, and I'm not going to make any comments about the debate last night, uh, but also we are in a major transition here in Brooklyn, and that's a lot. And uh, I want to say I'm with you. You know, this, this was my second surgery during COVID. It's been a little bit wild. Uh, my wife uh, fell face first on the cement on 26th street a few weeks ago busted her lip and broke her orbital bone uh so we're both twinning on the scar thing uh we got cooped up teenagers in our apartment can i get an amen from other parents with cooped up teenagers in your apartment okay amen. uh this this morning oh i got a i got a, an audio amen on that someone was very excited to to agree with me there um <laughs> and uh yeah and not only that i woke up this morning uh, to a fire in our building. Uh, thank God we're okay, but there was a fire in the basement uh, and it knocked out the internet. So I'm actually like an underground preacher right now. I am hoping I do not get kicked out of this room, which is down the street. Uh, so if someone comes in, you'll, I'll put you on mute and you just have to wait and pray that it all works out. Um, so there's a lot going on. Uh, and yet we know that there are answers. There are answers and encouragement found in the triune God and his perfect word. So we're going to get into it in a minute. Uh, we know that our first century uh, brothers and sisters, uh, our spiritual ancestors, they went through challenges. They knew what fatal disease looked like. They knew what isolation and displacement looked like. They lost jobs. They lost homes. They lost loved ones. Uh, they fought through fires and floods and earthquakes and were dealt the hand of prejudice on multiple occasions. And no, there was no election in the Roman Empire. You were just told what to do, usually by corrupt emperors who handed down verdicts, never gave tax refunds, never gave unemployment checks. And they definitely, in the first century church, went through a lot of transition in the church. So our ministry in Manhattan, because of these things and some of the challenges that we've been facing, uh, we have been going through the book of Romans. And so I'm going to share my screen with you now. Uh, can I get a thumbs up? Can you guys see that? Okay, amen. Um, we're calling it When in Rome, and uh, we're digging in to the book of Romans and learning a lot. Uh, and I want to share with you a little bit of what we're learning, because I think it can be relevant and helpful uh, to what you guys might be going through as well. So if you want, if you have your Bibles there, you can turn to Romans 15. I'll have the scriptures on the screen, though. 
if you want to read it there. But I know some of you guys got your scrolls and your paper Bibles. Uh, we love those, so you can get those open. We'll get into Romans 15 in a minute. Um, but Rome was a huge empire. You guys know your history. Is In particular, in Italy there, in, in Rome, it was a huge city with international impact. We're talking fashion, uh, military, education, uh, arts, uh, business, politics, industry, uh, you name it. They were a melting pot, and a lot of people even use that term uh, for, in particular, for immigrants and uh, people coming in from the outside, coming in for new opportunity. There's a lot that they went through that we can relate to right here in New York City. A lot of entrepreneurs were coming into town, a lot of philosophers and politicians. Uh, because of the diversity in Rome, Paul's letter Paul's letter will deal, as we go through it today, with social issues, moral issues, and they still apply to us in the modern. Uh, they had division between people groups. You guys know this, division between Jews and Gentiles in particular. They had to work through a lot of challenges to be able to get unified in the love of Jesus. And the interesting thing is that Romans, actually, if you guys know your, your Bible history, it was the last letter that Paul wrote, but it shows up first. In the New Testament canon, uh, not we don't really know why. Uh, maybe it's because it was the best thing they had from Paul. It was inspiring, challenging, so they threw it in first. We're not sure. Um, but one cool thing that we're doing in Manhattan is we're reading this book uh, called Reading Romans Backwards. And it's a, a great commentary on the book of Romans. And for those readers out there that might want to dig in a little deeper, I highly recommend it. Um, so I want to read something near the end as we get things going right here in Romans 15. It says in verse 29, Paul says, I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. Now, in the New Living Translation, it says, and I am sure that when I come, Christ will richly bless our time together. And I pray the same thing for us tonight. Um, it's a great sentiment, this idea that, you know, when, when we're together, there's going to be a blessing of Jesus on our time. Um, but it kind of begs the question, because he uses the word when, when I come. See, Paul has not gotten to Rome yet. Had he ever been there before? No. Did he plant this church in Rome? No. He's writing to them because he wants to get to them and spend time with them, but he had not been there. So the question is, if Paul didn't plant the church, then who did? Who did? Well, if you remember Acts 2, and I know you guys do, Acts chapter 2 and Pentecost, uh, who came to Jerusalem for that Jewish holiday? Everybody, right? I'll show you a little map. You guys have seen something like this before. Who came in? Everybody. You see it, Pontus, Cappadocia, Mesopotamia, Parthia, Medes. They all came in, and that was one of the miracles of Acts 2, is that they heard the word of God in their own language. But look at the top left there on the map. Who else made it all the way to Jerusalem for Pentecost that year? People from Rome, Jews from Rome. Nobody was going to miss this reunion, right? So even Rome, all the way up there, came down. So how did the church in Rome start? Well, persecution hit the early church in Jerusalem. That's when those young Christians had to go back home to Rome, but they took the gospel with them and the church grew. This is intense. The church was born out of adversity. It was born out of persecution. It was born from pain. 
You know, the New York church was born in the early 80s. Just think about that for a minute. Early 80s, New York City, right? Some of you guys were there. Some of you guys were transplants and came later. But that was some adversity in the 80s. You've heard the stories. You've lived it. Uh, it was some rampant crime. Uh, Times Square was rated X. Uh, I remember uh, staying in Times Square. Uh, I think I was 10 years old. I was scared to death. I wanted to get out as soon as possible. And the vampires are going to come out at night. But it was corruption and some mad madness from the mafia. All kinds of stuff was going on. But Christians were made in the waters of baptism. The Brooklyn region was born. And it grew in the midst of adversity, just like the Roman church 2,000 years ago. And the Church of Christ in Rome, I think it made the news headlines of the time. I'll show you what I mean. There was this Roman historian named Suetonius. I got a little picture of him here, looking very stately. And he's a famous dude, uh, lived between 69 and 122 AD. And he is quoted as saying, since the Jews constantly made disturbances at the instigation of Crestus, he, the Emperor Claudius, expelled them from Rome. So let's try to figure out what this is saying. What's CNN and Fox and ABC, what, what's the headlines saying? Well, he's saying that these crazy Jews are disrupting our Roman culture in the name of this person, Crestus. Who's Crestus? Put it in the chat. Crestus is Jesus Christ. So he's labeling them Jews, but these were converts that became Christians, brought the word back from their adventures at Pentecost in Jerusalem. Thank you, Giuseppe. Amen. Thank you, Maurice. Good job. Maurice is paying attention. And so they brought the word with them and they were disrupting Roman culture with the power of Jesus. They're crossing social boundaries, men, women, slave free, rich, poor. They're eating together. There's interracial marriages. They're worshiping one God, which was insanity in that culture. They're not getting drunk. They're not cheating on their spouses. They're paying their taxes. They're living honestly. They're loving up each other. They're even taking care of people that get sick that aren't in their group. And so Rome is all messed up, turned upside down. They hate what's going on, so it makes the headlines. So what does Rome do with these Christians that are living radical lives for Christ, a church born in adversity? What does Rome do? You guys probably know the answer to this. Rome tosses them out. Suetonius says it right there. Suetonius says, Emperor Claudius expelled them. Now you wanna see something cool? Check this next verse out in Acts chapter 18. Acts 18 confirms the historical account. It says, um, I'm going to skip to verse 2. We're talking about Paul uh, meets Aquila and Priscilla because look at what it says in the middle. Because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome, Paul went to see them. And because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Wow. We have confirmation. The Roman and the Jewish archives confirm the truth of the book of Acts right here. I, I geek out on that stuff, so I love it. I know some of you guys do too, maybe not everybody. But, but this is still bad news for the disciples because all these new converts are now expelled from Rome. And this reminds me of basically any time that a system is threatened. I'm gonna put myself on speaker view here if you can see me. I'm gonna take a break from the keynote. You guys see me okay? This is what the system does when it's threatened. The system gets rid of the problem. Think about Hitler. For those that don't know, I'm bloodline Jew. 
some of my family didn't make it through the Holocaust. Uh, I've studied this out and tried to understand what happened. It's difficult, maybe impossible to make sense out of it. But what did Hitler do? His vision of Aryan perfection and the very fabric of German supremacy was threatened by the Jewish race. So what did he do? He got rid of them. He got rid of it. The historical pattern is clear. If you look through the history books, even from the 1500s on, even though it goes way before that, you see in history when systems are threatened, they try to get rid of the problem. Uh, they, the wipeout of French Huguenots in the 1500s, the Crowellian invasion of Ireland in the 1600s, the KKK's terrorism against black American freedmen starting in the late 1800s, the Portuguese a systematic elimination of Brazilians, indigenous Brazilians in the early 1900s, the Kazakhs and the Soviet Union in the 1930s. Many of us have read in their history about Pol Pot in Cambodia or Rwanda in more recent history in 1994. And the sad list goes on and on and on. We live in a sick world. And I mean sick as in diseased with the sins of Eden, ambition, pride, lust, greed. No wonder we got saved because we need a savior. And I need some amens in the chat if you guys are with me. So did Paul. And because of this brokenness, out of the sickness, Paul gets a vision for the Gentile where he gets a vision for what could happen in this Roman place, in this city that had international impact, but at the time was making all that impact for the wrong reasons. And it's the same vision that we have for Brooklyn or Manhattan and the other ministries of this great city. Gentiles and Jews, men and women, young and old, dark and fair, soldier and senator, poor and rich, all bowing at the feet of King Jesus. That's our mission. That's our vision. So Paul, again, let me remind you, he'd never been there. He's super excited. I want to get there. He's bent on getting to Rome to help make this vision come true. The Christians had been expelled. He met with some of them, like Priscilla and Aquila, when they were out. But then as they start to come back in the city, they come back with a spiritual vengeance and a vision to grow that church. Now, I think Paul was prepared for this. He was trained. He knew the Greco-Roman culture. He read their philosophies. He read their politics. Thank you guys for the feedback. Yeah, I mean, basically, I must have froze right as I was saying, I really believe God is preparing a couple to minister to the mighty Brooklyn region. Um, I think like Paul, someone is really bent on getting here. I think they're itching to meet you, uh, longing to serve you, to learn from you. I, I think God is, is orchestrating all of this. And I, I want to remind everybody that whoever it is, they're going to come with their issues, just like you come with your issues and I come with mine. Uh, but because God is, again, he's the director, uh, it will be as he wills it. Now, I remember uh, moving to Manhattan. Uh, from Los Angeles. And uh, we first visited to interview and, it, you know, it's an intimidating city. And we had been in LA for a long time. And, uh, you know, we ran, we were running late. We got mixed up uptown, uptown, downtown. You know, when people come into uh, to, to New York and you ask for directions on the subway, everybody has an opinion. And sometimes it's conflicting. New Yorkers will fight each other. No, don't take the A, take the C because there's no local. And I'm just going, I have no idea what's going on. So we got lost. We finally made it to the elementary school. And Arlene and I spoke that night. And when we were done, we held our breath. Uh, because there was a long line that started to form to come to talk to us after we spoke. 
and it split up men and women. There was all the men were on one side of the room in a line and all the women were on the other side. I don't know if there's anyone left in their seats. Um, and they didn't look happy. And I was thinking, this is the shortest interview ever. We are done. And where's the exit? Because I am out of here. They look angry. And the first woman that came up to Arlene, she told me later, she said, the first thing that came out of her mouth, she says, I'm not supposed to like you. <laughs> and the first guy that came up to me asked me if I was a Lakers fan. And I felt like that's definitely a trick question. He was about six foot seven and had a cane. So I was just thinking, can he catch me if I run? Um, I, I didn't know what to say. But you know what? It was, it was amazing. It was amazing. Uh, they, they just wanted to, to share that they were grateful. Um, there was so much humility. Uh, I had confessed some sin in the lesson, um, and people were coming up. The guys were coming up and just confessing in tears. Uh, I hadn't told someone this in 10 years. I need to get it off my chest. I know I don't know you, but I mean, it, it was miraculous. We were there for another hour just crying with people, our brothers and sisters that we hadn't even met yet. And that was it. Uh, God sealed the deal. He had been orchestrating and he made it work. You know, how we behave during challenging times uh, says so much about who we are. It says so much um, about what kind of people we are. Because, you know, it brings out the best and the worst of us. Challenging times and transition. Um, how we welcome somebody new is a reflection on our commitment to Christ. And I was so encouraged coming in as someone new to feel that, that welcome uh, from the brothers and sisters in Manhattan. You know, I want, I want to read you Romans 1, 1 through 6, because what's the first thing Paul says to the disciples in Rome. And then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll take it from here and kind of land on this, this passage. What's Paul's first sermon? First words. In verse one, it says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus, our Lord. Through him, we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his namesake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to pay particular attention to the first couple of words that Paul calls himself. How does he describe himself? He says, I'm a servant and I'm an apostle. You know, the word for servant here is doulos. It's the same word for slave. And the word for apostle is apostolos, which means sent. He says, I'm a slave and I've been sent. That's what he starts with. That's what he calls himself. That's what he says to begin his relationship with this church. And I want, I want to show you a map of the Roman Empire of that time. And if you look at the darker brown, that, that's all of the Roman territory. 
That's huge. The Roman Empire was expansive. But now check this out. If you were to split the population between slave and free in the Roman Empire, this is what it would look like. 50% of the Roman world at that time were douloi, were slaves. You think Paul knew his audience here? Paul immediately crosses that social divide. He says, I get you. I'm with you. And we're going to do this together. I'm a slave. I'm a servant. I've been sent. And we're going to do this together. Now, don't get me wrong. When he says, I've been sent, when I'm an apostolos, he, he also wants to be there. But the decision to bring him there wasn't all him. It was God. God willed it and he complied. Where did Paul get this idea from? Well, it's right there in Acts 23. In verse 11, the following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Direct revelation from God. Now, side note, I do believe all humans have free will. So if God gives you a message, says go to Rome and preach the word, uh, you know, you, you should take it. You should go. You have free will. But I also believe that those of us who volunteered as douloi, as slaves to righteousness, and said Jesus is Lord, it means that we decided that we're going to go wherever the gospel needs to go. You know, one of the sad things that's happening in New York, is in, in Manhattan especially, I'm not sure how much it's happening in Brooklyn, um, is that people are leaving the city. Again, of course, free will, and some people just don't have a choice. They're running out of funds. They can't afford it. And I get that. Um, but if someone's leaving for other reasons, I, I'm asking them, please reconsider. We need you. Here in one of the most densely populated urban mission centers in the United States, it still is, there's still much work to be done. And I'm finding that more and more people are open to the gospel message in these challenging times. You know, we, we did a, a series in the book of Ephesians uh, in Manhattan at the end of last year. And one of the sisters met a guy from Ephesus. Let me say it again. This guy's from modern-day Ephesus. So he comes to church for the first time he visits. His name is Ozon. And, and he's like, I recognize the map that you're showing everybody to tell everyone where Ephesus is. I'm from there. I'm from modern Ephesus. And we started talking about it. And he, you know, we started, he's like, I want to study the Bible. I want to know more about Jesus. So we studied several months. He was our first COVID baptism, Brother Ozon. And check this out. Look what God did on his baptism day. Can you see it in the picture? Can you see it? Write, write what you see in the chat. What did God do? Yes. Yes. He, I don't know how this happened because we were in this crazy little alleyway behind one of the apartments and he comes out of the waters of baptism and God was like, here's my rainbow. Here's the seal of my approval <laughs> on this situation. It was awesome. During COVID, wearing the mask, trying to figure out what is going on, and people wanted to know Christ. You know, uh, seven years ago, a young student in our campus ministry uh, brought his mom to church. And the son, unfortunately, his faith got banged up, and, and he, he decided he didn't want to be part of the church. Uh, we're still praying. He's awesome, and we're in touch. But mom stayed. Mom stayed, and mom studied the Bible. And for seven years— <laughs> Uh, Miss Donna, most amazing woman, she'll tell you straight, you know, if someone in the fellowship did something weird, she would come up to Arlene. If someone did something weird to me. It's awesome. Love it. Love Miss Donna. And Miss Donna, she studied the Bible weekly for seven years. And you know what? On 9-11, September 11th, she became your sister in Christ. And it's another absolute miracle. And you know who was there at the baptism? 
her son who had left the church but knows there's a God and we're praying for him. You know, uh, many of us know the Thompson family. We hear his uh, deep voice uh, on the bass uh, on Sundays. Uh, we love Mark and Leslie and, and Josh and David. And, you know, uh, teens during COVID, they had nowhere else to go in the summer. I mean, they were, they were trapped. So we decided let's double down and make them study the Bible. No, we didn't force anybody, but we were like, we, we have extra time. They have extra time. Let's get them in Bible studies. And so their older son, the Thompson's older son, Josh, he got baptized. Uh, and then two weeks ago, their younger son, David, got baptized. So yes, COVID has been very challenging, but this is a family that has been united in Christ during one of the most challenging times uh, in all of our lives. And I'm telling you, this kid, if you don't know David, he's so cool, so hilarious, so full of joy. He was laughing as he went down in the water. I've never seen this in my life. They baptized, he's laughing. I, I thought he was gonna choke, but he's like, ha, he's just so full of joy. And they put him down in the water. It was it was awesome. You know, there's one last word I want to share with you, and I want to highlight out of these first sentences that Paul preaches to the church in Rome. And it's from Romans 1-4 when it says, Through the Spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. This word power, this word power, uh, in the Greek, uh, dunamis, like our dynamite. Uh, the boom of the Holy Spirit, the divine and the ferocious force of God. You know, think about these Greeks 2,000 years ago. You guys know they, they were used to Mount Olympus, you know, Hercules and Hera and Zeus. They needed reassurances that they weren't dedicating their lives to a weak wannabe God, but a God that was even more powerful than these mythic gods that they had grown up with. So Paul gives them their security in these first four verses. He says... This is not a weak power. This is the power. This is the dunamis that they were used to that word and knew what it meant. Uh, this, is, this is a reminder that the God that we worship is more powerful. See, the Bible admitted here that people were worshiping other gods. It says, it's, a, it's fine. You worship whatever you want. This God is way more powerful. It's not, even, it's not even a comparison. And I think we still need to hear about the power of God today. We need to know that our God is still filled with dunamis, enough to rescue us spiritually from the challenges that we're going through. It's a reminder that God brings the thunder, that he, he created the macro and the micro, from the planets to the particles. Forget Zeus's lightning rod, forget Thor's hammer, forget Poseidon's trident, or the power of the presidency, or the Supreme Court justice, or a nuclear bomb, or a virus, or a fire, or a tsunami. This is Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh, a name that cannot be named. The great I am, the Ha'olam, the eternal, beyond time and space, who knows every neuron that fires in every synapse that produces every thought in every one of our heads and knows every hair on that head as well. That's our God with the dunamis, with the power. So next time we feel powerless, channel the powerful God of all creation. Because when we're weak, he's what? He's strong. I think the key to getting the book of Romans, and we've been studying it a lot lately, is getting that people who come from completely different countries and cultures and creeds can find a home in Christ together in a booming metropolitan city. That ministers and ministries are constantly changing, but that God is preparing people for their works of service, and we all play a part. 
you know, if you haven't read Romans in a minute, or if you're looking to lock in a new quiet time for yourself, check out the book of Romans again. Uh, it'll be relevant for you and uh, keep you righteous. You know, the next time you're with your, your Bible talk uh, or in a discipling time, I want to encourage you to consider uh, what you took away from tonight. And in order to do that, I'm going to leave you with a couple of prompts here. If you want to take a screenshot or uh, write it in the chat or whatever. Um, number one, how has God orchestrated your spiritual journey? You know, as a doulos of God, as someone who says Jesus is Lord, or perhaps you're, you're visiting tonight or studying the Bible and you're on your way, what has God done to lead you to the now, to this time and this place? It's such a good reminder for us to, to remember our spiritual roots, all that God has done to get us here. The pain, but the pain with purpose and all the joy as well. And then the other thing besides, uh, you know, how has God orchestrated your spiritual journey? Where do you need God's power the most right now? What's a specific area in your life that you're feeling like you need God's, this, this dunamis, this dynamite of God's power the most right now? Is, is there a sin that's dogging you? Is, is there a relationship that has contention uh, that needs reconciliation? Um, is your heart hurting over something and you need God's power? Maybe it's uh, this election or, or tough stuff with the church. There's a lot going on right now, a lot to choose from. But I want to encourage you to, to choose one to really focus on and to be able to get open with each other about, to talk, to pray, to take it to the God of power, and to really remember that he's the one that orchestrates our lives and calls us to follow Jesus, and sometimes to a path that is pain, but pain with purpose. So I pray this has been helpful. Uh, I know that we uh, in Manhattan are getting a lot out of this book. I pray that this little overview of the first couple of verses and just remembering the history of where the Roman church came from, we can, we can relate a lot to it. And I'm really praying for you guys at this time and, and just love so much uh, of what we have in Christ together here in the New York church. And may God continue to bless the Brooklyn region of the New York church. I love you. All right. Thanks, John.